practice by paying attention to the primary object of awareness, that is, the breath either at the nostrils as it comes in and out, or the movement of the chest, the rising and falling of the abdomen. Let the mind settle easily and gently. Let it rest in the feeling of the breath. There's no need to struggle with it, no need to force the breath in any way. It's a settling back into the breath, settling back in a way that is both restful and alert. Connect with the beginning of the breath. Connect with that moment when it <coughs> first arises. And then sustain the attention or hold the attention for the duration of just that one in-breath or just that one rising movement. So the effort that we're generating is for a very short duration, for just one half of a breath. We connect and we sustain that tension. We, we hold the attention. Be aware of the quality of effort as you're holding the attention so that you're neither holding it too tightly, not grasping at the breath too tightly, nor holding it with too much slackness, in which case the mind will fall away. Pay attention to just that quality of balance, of strength, of firmness, of steadiness, of softness, with which the awareness is holding the, the breath. We connect and we sustain, and at the beginning of the out-breath, the beginning of the falling movement, just that same process again. Reconnect, hold the attention. Do this in a very simple way. When you find that the mind wanders or goes off, Simply notice wandering or thinking and gently bring the mind back. You can use the soft mental note of in and out or rise and fall with each breath. Keep the note very soft, very gentle, as if it's just rising from within the experience just enough to help keep the connection with the breath steady. As you've settled back into the awareness of the breath, letting it come and go in its own time, in its own rhythm, simply feeling it with care, At times, different sensations in the body may start to become very strong, very predominant. They'll begin to call your attention away from the breath <clears throat> or come into the foreground of your attention. When bodily sensations become predominant in that way, 
leave the breath as the primary object and open the awareness to the sensations themselves. At that time, the sensation becomes the main object of attention. Open to it. See if you can recognize what kind of sensation it is. Not in terms of the body part, not not leg or arm or head or knee, but rather what the actual sensation is. Is it tightness or pressure or vibration or burning or twisting or stabbing or tingling or itching? Although at first it may seem a little confusing, maybe difficult to determine what the actual sensation is, with practice and with close attention, it soon becomes quite easy to recognize the particular sensation. There aren't that many different kinds. If you can't determine the precise sensation, never mind, there's no sense to struggle trying to find the right label, you could simply note feeling or sensing. More importantly is to open to the actual experience of the sensation to see if one can relax into it so that we can feel it completely and openly without resistance, without aversion without pushing away. Simply feeling the sensation, noting it, and then observing what happens to it. Observing whether it gets stronger or weaker, whether it disappears, whether it shifts position. That need not be noted, but simply noticed simply observed. When that particular sensation is no longer predominant or has lasted for some time, return either to another predominant sensation or to come back to the breath. A very easy rhythm can be established in the awareness, staying with the breath, focusing on it, opening to sensations when they're strong, feeling them, noting them, observing what happens, again returning to the breath, can be a very smooth transition from one to the other. Sometimes you may be aware of a whole sequence of sensations in a row before returning to the breath. Sometimes it may be just one. In addition to including bodily sensations in the field of awareness, also pay attention to the range of different mind states, some of which we talked about, like sleepiness or restlessness, doubt, Two other strong mind states which can function as hindrances are desire or aversion. Desire is the wanting mind. 
Aversion can take the form of irritation or annoyance or anger or ill will. Whenever these states arise in your experience, make them the object of your investigation. Opening up to the experience of them with a careful note. And here the noting is quite important because it helps to keep the mind from getting lost in the story. Anger arises, we open to it, we feel what anger is like. Anger, anger, anger. Feeling it, observing it very carefully, watching the changes. Feeling it in the body, feeling it in the mind, feeling the quality in the heart. It's the chance to explore the nature of anger rather than the story which is feeding it. There are sometimes a wide range of pleasant emotions. You might feel joy or happiness or peace or calm or interest. Whenever any emotional state becomes predominant, it should be noted, it should be observed, it should be felt. Be with the emotion, note it, observe what happens to it, and then again come back to the breath. You can also become quite precise in the noting of the passing thoughts that go through the mind, which may or may not be associated with emotions. Sometimes there's just a run of thoughts of planning or remembering or commenting. As soon as you become aware that the mind is thinking, make the simple note, thinking, thinking, or wandering or planning. Make the note, watch what happens to the thought, come back to the breath. If it feels like things are getting too confusing, too many objects to pay attention to, the mind doesn't know exactly what it should be doing, come back to the simplicity of the primary object. Just in and out, rising, falling, until again the mind becomes more focused, more stabilized on that. From that place of concentration or stillness, relaxation in the breath, then again slowly open up to this whole presentation of phenomena. The whole mind-body process is a show and we can sit back and watch it. Do you have any questions about working with the breath or sensations or emotions or thoughts? I'm, I'm unclear about um, the appropriateness of action while we're sitting in response to a bodily sensation. 
if a sneeze or a cough presents itself. Mm -hmm. The question was about the appropriateness of a response to some bodily sensation while sitting. For example, a sneeze or a cough. Well, that could be extrapolated to a pain in the knee, to whatever. Uh, the general guideline is to try to sit still and to be aware of whatever sensations happen within the framework of that stillness. Sometimes it's quite interesting to watch a sneeze the, or the impulse to sneeze and to go right into it, into those sensations. I think often people could get enlightened <laughs> just there. It can get such an ordinary event when you look at it under the microscope of careful mindfulness. It's amazing the amount of energy that's contained in that and the, the detail of sensation you can feel. In that situation, or a cough, for example, I would go into it in that way and then just watch and see what happens. You know, sometimes it might just fall away through the power of the awareness. Sometimes the sneeze or the cough will happen. Uh, but the primary or the first strategy would be to really be watching and feeling the sensation which is going to prompt it just as minutely as you can. Uh, it can get pretty interesting and pretty compelling. You know, the, the concentration get very, very one-pointed because the sensation can be so intense. question was about starting the sitting with the body and the head quite straight and erect, but during the course of the sitting, finding the head slowly dropping, the chin dropping to one's chest. What to do with that? You know, whether to straighten, whether to keep that position. The reason that the body starts to slump is that within the sequence of mindful moments, there are... Uh, very quick, what in Pali it's called bhavanga consciousness, which means that's the consciousness we have when we're in deep sleep. That bhavanga consciousness is actually happening intermittently while we're awake too. Uh, usually it's not strong enough to actually bring us to sleep. In meditation practice, interspersed through these moments of active mindful awareness, there are these moments of bhavanga. If there are a few too many of them in a row, so the body tends to slump because it doesn't have the power to keep the body erect, which is why when we fall asleep, the body falls over. So it's quite common. Until the mindfulness is very strong, very consistent, very steady, at which time the body really stays erect effortlessly. You don't... It's so energized that you don't have to work to keep it straight. But until that happens, this slumping motion will take place. 
When you become aware of it, I would note that you slumped or bent. Feel that sensation for a moment. Be aware of the intention to straighten and then very slowly straighten, making the movement of straightening the object of your attention. So everything is done very gently, very mindfully. It happens at times when the mind gets more concentrated and still that the breath can get very slowed down with big spaces between them. As a general rule, I think it's helpful to keep breathing. <laughs> However, the space can actually be quite long before you need to take the next breath. So I wouldn't pull the next breath in. I would just rest in that space until the breath comes by itself. What could be helpful is to put another note in that space as a way of um, containing or focusing the mindfulness so that it doesn't get dispersed. For example, you could note, if you're doing, watching the breath at the nose, it might be in, out, then there's this long pause. You could go to sitting. And sitting just means the awareness of your whole body, the sense of your body posture. Sitting, sitting. And within that, you may be aware of a lot of different sensations going on. You're not going to any particular one of them. You're just keeping that whole larger sense. Sitting, sitting. Then as the next breath comes in by itself, you gently come back to it. Um, if the space is very long, you could also put in sitting touching. So you go to sitting and then to a touch point, like your buttocks in the cushion. Um, if at times you want to simply be with the stillness itself, make a note of that stillness. So it would be in, out, and then you're feeling the silence, the stillness, stillness, stillness. So you're always connecting very accurately with what your experience is. Just one question, when you say in the beginning you, you bring on mm -hmm. things, what does that mean? Well, every pain I felt lasted at the end. Uh -huh. starts, I try to bring it into my body, although my body's not feeling it, my mind. Why do you try to bring it in? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sounds to me like uh, there may be too much controlling there of wanting your experience for whatever reason to be a certain way. 
one of the, the great mysteries of the practice is that from sitting to sitting, if you simply settle back, waiting for what's going to happen, you never really know what's going to happen. You know, it may be one way in one sitting where you're filled with pain and discomfort and boredom and restlessness, you know, and you think, oh, the next sitting, the next hour, the next day is going to be just like this. You come in, you sit down, it may be completely different. And it goes the other way too. Many a time I would be in this wonderful place of concentration, of peace, of stillness, of bliss. And then the thought would come, well, I'll get up now, I'll do some walking, and then I'll just come back to it. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> so you neither want to count on something coming nor pull in past experience. Just begin the sitting in the way we suggested at the beginning here. Start with the breath, then be open to whatever happens. It's not unusual toward the end of a sitting for future thoughts to start arising. Even immediately future thoughts like when is the sitting going to end? You know, and all the anticipation. It's not a problem if you can note the arising of that thought. Just, it's just a thought. If you get into the content of it, the thought creates the next 10 minutes. And so that contributes to a kind of restlessness. But that's because you're getting into the content, you're believing the content of the thought. When the thought comes, oh, another 10 minutes, I'll never make it, whatever. When you see that just as a thought, the 10 minutes is not in that thought. The thought is just a momentary arising. If you see it for what it is, future thought, planning thought, anticipating thought. It arises, it has no impact at all because you're not identifying with the content. This is a very important point because it has to do with our whole relationship to the notion of time. We create time through our concepts about it. And the way we actually experience it is just as a thought in the moment. Do you understand? And so just be very alert, very quick at seeing, oh yeah, time thought. That's all, it's nothing. And it's gone. Um, when it comes to thoughts, it seems that when I direct my, when I'm aware that I'm thinking, and I say thinking, thinking, planning, I can't seem to like, you know, focus, or I can't mm -hmm. seem to penetrate and it disappears immediately, and I go, and I'm able to go right. back to the breath. But it's not the same as with a body sensation right. or strong emotion. And I also feel some every time it happens that, oh, I have my hand caught in the cookie jar again. You know, that sense I shouldn't be thinking. Which is, mm -hmm. Okay. The the question was about it's difficult to really stay focused on thoughts because as soon as she notices them and notes them, they're gone. That's not a problem. That's actually uh, good mindfulness. <laughs> because what feeds thoughts and what tends to keep them going is our identification with them. The thoughts themselves are just these momentary impulses. Because we're not 
used to paying careful attention because we miss their arising so often, we get identified, we get lost, and that's what feeds the whole process. So we get caught in the story. To the extent that the mind becomes increasingly clear and able to be aware of a thought as it arises, seeing it as a thought, most often it will just disappear. And this is tremendously freeing to see that the thoughts in themselves have no power. The only power the thoughts have is the power that we give to them. If you don't give them power, no matter what the thought is saying, it can be the most fantastic thought in the world, it can be the most awful thought. If we don't identify with them, if we don't give them power, we see their essential emptiness. That's tremendously freeing. So in that respect, that's no problem. Thought arises, you noted thinking, it disappears. That's fine. So why be given the capability to think? There, there is a, the question was, why be given the capability to think? I can't answer about the ultimate why. <laughs> but there is a use for the thought process. I'm not saying in any way that thoughts are not useful in certain domains. But then we're choosing. It's like we become master of the thought process rather than slaves to it. Instead of being victimized by every conditioned passing thought that comes through, which you see, you see, even in these few days, they're endless. When we're aware, then we can choose. This is going down an avenue I want to explore with the thought process. So it's like shopping at a grocery store, yeah. picking out... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, or the best chocolate or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> one, one announcement, please. Uh, we like to keep the library as sort of an alternative sitting space. Uh, so use the library pretty much for that purpose. Don't go in there for having tea or lying down on the couch. It's just a place with somewhat more comfortable chairs. And if your body feels like it would like that for a sitting or two, it's fine to sit in the library. If you see people sitting in the library meditating, consider it you know, another meditation room and try to avoid using the bathroom in the library during that time is one of the bathrooms upstairs. And so that space, too, becomes protected. Okay, thank you. As you're sitting here, <clears throat> allow the mind, the body, to come into a sense of unity in the sensations of sitting. Simply aware of sitting, not looking for anything special, being in the experience of sitting. And within the physical sensations that comprise sitting, beginning to notice as the sensations of the in-breath 
arise in the awareness. Not straining, pushing, simply noticing what is happening by itself. The sensations of the in-breath or the rising as they begin. And as the attention connects with the sensations of the in-breath, soft mental label, in, rising. And then continuing to allow the attention to connect with all the sensations as they come and go that we call in-breath. Noticing as the in-breath fades away. If there's a gap, some period before the sensations of the out-breath begin, you can connect the attention with a touch point, the lips touching together, the hands, the buttocks, soft note of touching, touching. And again, when the beginning of the out-breath arises in awareness, connecting with that sensation, noting it softly, and sustaining the attention, continuing to connect as the breath persists and fades away. not looking for anything else. This is all. This is enough. This one sensation of breath. If, however, as the attention is with the breath, something arises in your awareness experience that becomes stronger than the awareness of breath, a sensation in the body, a sound, then we simply acknowledge what is already happening. Give the full and total attention to the sensation, the sound, noting it softly but carefully, twisting, itching, burning, tingling, or hearing, hearing. So the attention is alert, connecting, knowing what is happening, yet also soft, receptive. Simply want to know, be with what is, as it is, because that is the truth of this moment. Notice how the sensation behaves, how the sound behaves. Get more intense, break up into smaller parts, change to something else, fade away. Continuing to note 
And then again, as the experience either fades, if you've explored for some time, and the mindfulness is also fading, allow the attention to come back to rest, to settle into the breathing. Similarly, if strong emotion arises in experience, so that that then becomes the predominant experience, the coloring of the mind in that moment. Very helpful to acknowledge, to name the emotion. So this then becomes the full focus of attention. Connect with the emotion, naming it, happiness, joy, sadness, jealousy, fear. And explore not the thoughts about it, but the actual experience of happiness. Most often there will be bodily, physical components. Noticing those, even noting them quite precisely as perhaps vibration, tingling, heaviness, tightness. Might even be a kind of restlessness. Noticing what's really happening. Continuing the noting. Noticing the kind of mental component. And see really clearly, does this emotion last very long? Notice what happens to it. Does it change to something else? Turn from happiness to merely boredom, to expectation, to wanting, to simply tingling. Be with the experience as it actually moves and changes. And then after some notes, or if you feel the attention becoming scattered, then again, return to rest, to focus in the experience of the breath. When you notice a thought has arisen, whether you might notice it at the beginning, you might notice it well along, you might notice it just as it's ending, all no matter. Acknowledge that thinking is at this moment the predominant experience. Thinking, thinking. And then coming back to the breath. Sometimes, if you're experiencing a strong, repetitive pattern of thought, such that it continually becomes stronger than the breath, and it's very difficult to just know thinking and come back to the breath. At this point, again, we acknowledge what's already happening. At this moment, this repetitive thought pattern is the predominant experience not to be seen as a distraction, but acknowledging that thinking is happening. So at this point, it's helpful 
to be more precise in the labeling. Not so much of the storyline, but of the, the type of thought, the quality of thought. So for example, it might be memory. It might be relationship tape. It might be planning. It might be fantasy or worry, fear. And you'll find in these repetitive thought patterns, the content can be slightly different, just enough to kind of suck you in a hundred thousand times in one sitting. So as soon as you notice, oh, that's worry again, then to bring the attention to the noting, to the being with the process of worry, not with the content, not with the storyline. So we're not repressing, we're actually acknowledging what's happening, the process of thought. I have a friend who says that the mind secretes thoughts like the stomach secretes pepsin. You see, it's like that, just one after the other. We're not trying to stop this. We're merely trying to notice and note and be present with the actual process itself. So the little short thoughts, simply note thinking, come back to the breath. Only when it's strong and repetitive, notice what kind of thought it is. You might stay with it a short time to see what happens to it. Sometimes on noting it disappears. Fine. We return to the breath. Sometimes it continues, gets stronger, changes to something else. Stay with it briefly, continuing to note the whole time you do so. You'll notice when you can no longer note, you're also no longer mindful. You're thinking about it. Another type of thought that frequently arises is images, pictures. It's helpful to note these as seeing, seeing. Notice what happens to them, and again, coming back to the breath. In all of this, there is no need to be looking for anything. Simply resting fully present in this one breath is enough. If nothing strong arises other than that, this is fine. If something strong and predominant does arise, you'll notice it if you're present with the breath. You don't need to look for anything. If you find it seems too much is going on, the mindfulness feels scattered, confused, it's difficult to connect with what's arising or to note it clearly, then it's a good idea to come back and rest with the breath for some time, to reconnect with the beginning of the breath, to re-steady and focus the mind. Let's sit together now. Do you have any questions about 
working with thoughts, any of the instructions in the walking, the sitting, any of the time in between. Yeah. Skillful use of the interview. She asked if I could say a few things about the skillful use of the interview. The interview, basically, since it is such a short amount of time, what we have found the most useful, generally for for both of us, is um, for the... Yogi to come in and, and have a sense, not think about it all day, but in a way describe what's going on, really what you're actually experiencing in the sitting. Now it's helpful, not, we know that the sittings are all different, but it, what can really be helpful is to describe a sitting that is either, say, the clearest one that you had, or if there's a sort of typical thing that's happening to describe that. And it's not necessary to say, well, this sitting was like this, but you know, three of the others were sleepy, and then there was restlessness, and there was thinking. It really wasn't always like this. We know that. If you said it was always like this, then we'd wonder. So to just come in and really describe what's going on, how, how you're feeling the breath, what you actually experience with it, what other things arise in the sitting, whether it's you know, a lot of thinking and you notice it and come back, whether it's certain physical sensations, emotions. So what comes up, how you note it, and what happens to the things that you're noticing as you're noting and paying attention to them. And similarly in walking. Now that might seem quite formal, in, in one way, there's room within that because anything can happen in a sitting, so anything can be talked about. Aside from that, I would say if there's something going on that for you somehow feels like it can't fit into describing a sitting, say, for example, you had a huge fight with the person you're working with, and this has been the main theme of what's going on for you all day, please bring it up. It's not like anything needs to be left out. But much more helpful to come in and just describe what's really happening, your actual experience in the sitting, because otherwise we could just come in and kind of talk about our dreams and how we've been feeling, and at the end of the 10 minutes, we start to get to to what's actually going on. Because often what people do is come in and give us their interpretation. Oh, I'm really concentrated. What does that mean? You know, uh, it's really, you sit down, you feel the breath, this is what you feel after one and a half breaths, you start to think and you come back in 15 minutes, that's fine. But that, that gives us a sense of, of, you know, the actual experience. Does, is that helpful? Yes, Rosemary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's talking about a, a physiological sense of restlessness. Doesn't seem connected with any specific thoughts, 
but like an energy moving through the legs and feet that makes her feels uncontainable, wanting to scream. I know what that feels like. It's, it's a horrible <laughs> feeling. I get that at night when I'm tired. What have you been doing when, when that arises in the sitting? Concentrate on touching. A touch find most helpful with any kind of ongoing physiological experience like that. First, don't get into trying to figure out what it is. Because in a way, that's a moving away from the experience and it kind of keeps the mind spinning more. And for me, it actually often comes out of aversion that I'm not seeing. Like I'd rather sit and figure out what it is so I can get rid of it than actually just be with the bare experience. Um, It is a tough one. I think what you said about when there's strong, restless, moving energy, it can be very difficult to focus down on it very precisely. It's like taking a lot of energy and trying to contain it in a little box and it wants to explode. So what you said about giving it the big picture, like I don't know if Joseph used Suzuki Roshi's thing about give a cow a big pasture, but if you tie it up, it bucks and it goes wild. If you give it a big pasture with a fence, it becomes much calmer. It's contained, but in a bigger space. So with that kind of restless, moving energy, I do just what you did. I kind of make my awareness as big as the room. I don't think of just this little space, but really spacious, wide awareness. And the energy's moving, coming and going within that, aware of it, but not trying to focus down really tightly. That's sort of what you said. That's one thing. The other is as it's continuing to also begin to be aware of and notice and note and feel the mental reactions that are happening, uh, you know, springing from it. So, for example, just being with restlessness, there's wide space, the energy's moving, and at some point you become aware the mind is really tight, there's a lot of aversion, you think, oh my God, I'll never make it through the day if this keeps up. At that point... Leave the restlessness and move to the aversion. Actually feel that, note it. Because that hook of the restlessness and the unpleasantness and the aversion is really, it's unpleasant, but that's what makes it unbearable to go through the day with it. And so whenever you become aware of the mental reaction to some difficult experience, it's very helpful to note and notice that. If, as it continues, you can actually tune into the unpleasantness of it itself. You know, you just restlessness because you can just kind of feel that unpleasantness before the mind is lost in aversion and continue to note that. That takes a lot of, you have to be right there. But at that point, it's much more able to be with a difficult experience like that. Um, what it is, I don't know. As I said, I get it myself. Often it's many strange energetic phenomena happen in the sitting and walking meditation that we do here, especially as the mind gets more concentrated. 
generally it's nothing to worry about, although they can be extremely unpleasant. Um, He says uh, when he, the attention moves to the breath, almost immediately a different physical sensation, you mean something other than the breath, physical sensation, arises, and so then the attention moves there, and he notes that, so he's not spending very much time being with the breath. When the other sensations arise, is there a, like a clarity, really connecting with the sensation, able to note it and notice how it behaves? Are you able to notice and note that, wanting it to go away? Yes. Yeah. And what happens at that time? It goes away. (laughs) Lucky you. (laughs) And then the attention goes back to the breath? It goes back to the breath. This actually, it sounds like no problem. Everyone's practice is different. (laughs) <laughs> There'll be more of a problem when it doesn't go away and you want it to. But everyone's practice is different. Some people uh, stay with the breath quite a bit and nothing else very strong arises with much frequency. And other people, or at other times, you'll take half a breath and a lot of really strong sensations might arise or emotions. If that's the case and that's more predominant, the attention is already away from the breath, that's okay. It's, it's one of the definitions of anatta, of no-self, is out of control. And so it's out of control. You can't decide whether you're going to just have a nice, peaceful sitting with nothing but the breath, or you're going to have sensations every tenth of a second. It's totally out of our control. So all we can do is acknowledge, note, and clearly be with whatever it is that's arising. The sensation, the aversion to it, notice what happens, and then again be with the breath. That's totally fine. The only time it's a problem is if there's a lot happening, and as I said in the instructions, you can't really note it. You're not really at all aware of what it is. It's just like this big muddy sea of confusion, which also happens to everyone at some point. But at that point, is simply kind of notice confusion and come back and make a little more effort to connect with the breath because the mindfulness isn't quite clear enough to know what's going on. Yeah, Harriet. A clarification on um, what I notice is that my mind will go to various points, but it doesn't seem like it predominates. It's, not, it's just sort of like a, a hazy sort of going away, unfocused. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it can't seem to be able to determine what it is. Mm-hmm. Where it's going. Yeah, yeah, it's just like away from the breath. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and it doesn't feel like it's strong. It's just like I'm aware that it's away from the breath. So do you know 
She says uh, often, correct me if I get this wrong, often her, her mind seems to go away from the breath to other objects, but they don't really seem like they're a predominant experience, and in fact it's quite hazy. And in fact you don't really know <laughs> what, what it is that's happening, except that it's hazy and away from the breath. And so should she note that or just come back to the breath? I would, at the moment that you're aware that it's hazy, in that moment you're knowing that. So, okay, hazy. In that moment, you've, you've woken up, you've reconnected. There's a certain clarity of mindfulness that you know it's hazy. And you connect with that haziness. There's nothing that we can take and say, this isn't worth being mindful of. So you're hazy. But then I would come back to the breath, definitely. But acknowledge the haziness or the confusion as soon as you're aware of that's, that's where you are swimming in. And then come back to the breath. Okay, so, Is that? so you should always make a mental yeah, basically. As soon as, if you wake up and you know that's where you are. Now, if you wake up and you're already back at the breath, that's fine. Forget it. The, the rest is past history, you know, over. Then you just know, you know where you actually are, what's actually happening in that instant. Yeah, one more. Yeah, yeah, it's true, isn't it? There's a recurrent pain that's now become so familiar that it, it, it's hard to just move in and see it fresh. You know, it's got all kinds of representations and, and stuff. It definitely happens. That's our challenge, in a way. Because that's how we live our life. You know, how much of our life do we really meet fresh? You know, so many things have so much overlay of interpretation and concept that, that you know, we're not even seeing what's really happening. So in a way, I don't want to sound too, you know, dharmic or something, but in a way it's a wonderful opportunity to explore how that process happens. How what you can for a moment experience as a bare sensation comes to have a whole overlay of interpretation and representation and connection to all the different patterns of mind and things going on in our life. And then you might just have a second where you see, oh, it's throbbing simply throbbing. And then notice all the overlay that the mind's putting on as a separate experience. You know, so there's throbbing, and then there's memory, and then there's uh, future planning, and then there's fear, and then there's uh, a whole storyline about what the memory reminds us of. And each of those things can be seen and noted for what it actually is as it's, as it's happening. Unpleasantness, aversion. And you'll get lost in it sometimes and you won't notice it fresh. But then it's just a second, you know, when you do move into it and it's just what it is, that's quite revealing, you know. It's, it's quite, uh, has quite the potential of freedom. And I think it's these kinds of situations that are what really we learn how to be with that freshly in our life. So it's a wonderful opportunity to explore. (laughs) So that's the last question. We have to start interviews. Um, Is there a practice leader for today? Anyone who's really in a very bodhisattvic mood today? Wants to serve all humanity for the benefit of their own and others' full enlightenment? (laughs) 
it's an incredible opportunity here. When will this come again? <laughs> Great, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So time for walking and some interviews. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.